Well, hey, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Frontline Community Church's weekly podcast. We're a church based in Ramstein, Germany, and we have a simple mission, and that's to love God, to love others, and to help others love God. Now, we do this by being real, relational, and relevant. Now, as you listen to our podcast today, we hope that you're blessed and that your journey with Jesus Christ becomes stronger than ever. God bless you. Uh, Let me have you turn to John chapter 8. I'll cut this a little short, I think. I got a chuckle right there, Sam. I'm not even going to ask what that was. Shortest 40 minutes here. Uh, But let me engage with you a little bit and have some fun. Go to John 8. I've had this thought. I've been having some powerful things happen in my soul this week. You know, we, we use this term breakthrough. And I like that term. Because if you think about how the soul works, the soul gets stuck, doesn't it? The soul, the soul gets stuck in a place like forgiveness where you feel like you can't move past or patience. Anybody stuck with patience right now? And you're like, bro, I'm way past that right now. But what a breakthrough is, is when the soul is stuck with anger or hate or something like that. And, and the spirit of Jesus comes upon you. And if you're not a believer, this is what we do. We don't just come to church. Forget all, forget all that stuff you've heard about. This is what we're hungry for. The Spirit comes upon us when we gather like this or in our homes with the Lord. And we have these things called breakthroughs where a truth from Jesus will all of a sudden set us free. And it's like a tidal wave of freedom hits you. Anybody feel that? Anybody have those breakthroughs? Am I the only one? All right. Uh, I want you to talk back when you get excited. You know what I mean? I want you to get excited with me. But I've been having these breakthroughs, these these freedom breakthroughs. And I'm feeling more and more free, even though the world feels crazy right now. Anybody with me on that? I'm feeling more and more free, although my heart is also broken um, in a world that seems to be in chaos. And I I think that's the power of God. You see that in Jesus. Um, You see him broken and, and hurting, but also so free. And so I want to encourage you today that I want you to have a breakthrough. I think the Spirit set this on my heart to have a breakthrough this morning. And I want to think about freedom. Here it is on uh, 4th of July weekend. Is this not the weirdest 4th of July weekend in the history of the nation? Seriously. I, I was joking with someone, and I don't, I don't want to make light of what's going on in our nation, but I said to a couple of you guys, America's on timeout right now. We are. Like, no fireworks. You're just on timeout right now. You're going to think about some things right now. And it's weird being out here. I know some of you guys just got in from the States. It's weird for us out here a little bit because it feels like a bad movie. It's like you're not, you can't touch it, yet your heart feels it. It's a real thing going on. So it's a very weird thing. But there's this narrative of freedom, obviously, with us who are uh, from the States And uh, I'm studying German history. Some of my neighbors are here, German people, great people. And it's amazing what's happened in 75 years here in Germany in the way of freedom and liberty. And so there's this narrative right now of freedom. But I want to shift this a little bit from a national level to a personal level. Because we're fighting right now. We're trying to make it happen right now in the States. Um, We're trying to find out who's legit with liberty and to make real strides and who's just going crazy. 
We're trying to figure out a way to move forward. But let me just hit pause on that for a moment because I've been hammering on that for six weeks. I think you know where I stand. I want to shift to the personal. I want to I shift to your life and my life right now. Because this is a long game. We're playing a long game right now in the States. And we're hoping some things break through quickly, but it's a long game. We're just going to keep going. So let me shift to the soul. There's a cultural narrative in America about personal freedom. Now, I'm, I'm from the West Coast. We are the weird coast. Can you just say amen to that? It's the weirdest place in the world. You know, the, the further west you go in the States, the newer everything is. We are the last place developed in the States, and we are the weirdest place in the States. Now, I'm from the Northwest. That's the good corner. Amen? We got a Portland man on staff here. Um, we're trying to get more Northwest people up in this place. But when you go south a little bit into the Bay Area, I don't even know. I don't know what's going on there. Anybody from the Bay Area? Okay, anybody on Facebook from the Bay Area? You're like partially America. I'm just going to say it. It's like the weirdest place in the world. I'm just kidding. Um, but it is a weird place. I'm totally not kidding about that. So if there's anybody who's qualified to talk about personal freedom, it's me. Raised in inner city Seattle, went to war in San Francisco. So there's this cultural narrative about freedom right now. And not all of it is bad. Some of it is very late and needed. But think about racial. The racial issue, and I've been talking about this for six or seven weeks. feels like 10 years, doesn't it? Been preaching on this for a decade or more, maybe 20 years actually, on racial equality. But if you think about what we're saying is, is like, can the soul not be equal in our world? But we've seen it move to the virus. We're going, can we not be free? <laughs> and then some people are like, well, just stay in your house. Let's get through this. So we've got this narrative of freedom with the virus. We've got sexual ethics exploding right now. I say right now they've been exploding at least on the West Coast for a very long time. Sexual freedom and the freedom of sexual orientation. And then we hit Independence Day and we know our great declaration of independence, which we seem to be growing into, speaks in its opening lines of life, liberty, and the pursuit of... Let me just plan on that word, liberty. What is liberty? I don't mean national liberty which I think bleeds into personal liberty. But what, is it, what does it feel like for your soul to be free? I was thinking about protesters. And I can't categorically put them all in a box. Um, I came from a city that invented protesting. We do it as a national pastime in San Francisco. We just, we march. I say we, that's my adopted city. I'm, I'm here now. Um, but nonetheless, I was thinking about protesters and my heart ached a little bit. And again, I, I'm a, it's, it's a right in America to protest. Um, I'm fine with that. Um, as long as it's done right and I understand the anger going on, I want to be careful saying I, I fully understand it, but I understand a lot of the, the anger that's going on and the pent-up aggression that's going on. But I was, I was thinking about protesters and I was looking at pictures of people protesting and I've been in protests for years and years in uh, California. I've watched them march down as I'm having church out my window and all this stuff. And, and I want to set the protest aside. And the thing that I was brokenhearted about is I was thinking, as much as we're fighting for certain liberties, what if that sweet soul protesting 
achieved those legal liberties, but never knew what it was to have a free soul. And I feel like I'm adding more work and weight and pain on this subject right now by even challenging us with this. But I just got to thinking about this. And it's not to shelve national freedom and the fight for that. I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm behind it. I've been preaching on it. But I got to thinking, guys, man, what, what would happen if we could attain certain national freedoms? And I'm so hopeful for our country to grow. We're a, we're a pup country, aren't we? We're a young country. The furniture store next door has furniture older than our country. We're growing into our documents, and I'm praying for that. But I was thinking about this. What if those who have taken over my city, the place I was raised, never actually felt freedom of their soul? And it kind of hurt my soul a little bit. And, and I was thinking about this. You can live in a free country and be enslaved in your soul. And it doesn't help to be, to be in a form of oppression and also be enslaved in your soul. I mean, I want to work on it all. But I don't know, guys. Like, God just got a hold of me with this thing. And I was like, and again, I want to say it over and over. I'm not diminishing the fight for national freedom because I think it leads to spiritual freedom. But I told you guys, uh, I was studying the, the Civil War long before any of us newly erupted. This thing's been erupting off and on since our country's founding. But I, I was reading a 1,200-page book on the Civil War, and it was amazing to me that those who were enslaved, many of them were so soul-free some were more free in their soul than those who had the national freedoms. And one day, it doesn't, it doesn't make up for anything. It does not. But I just got to thinking as a pastor in this Independence Day weekend, what if we could take a look at the question of, is our soul free? That's what I want to talk about today. Is our soul free? As we work on a national level, is our soul free? Look at John. Did you throw that up? Write that down. That's what I want to talk about. I just felt like I, I, I needed nine minutes and 33 seconds to get there. But write that down. I want to talk about this. Is, is your soul free? And I want to get free in our soul. And if you look at John 8, you guys okay? Again, I do all the talking on Sunday. John 8, look at verse 34. Jesus is so radical. I knew I, knew I was going to stand up. Jesus is so radical. Can I even say before, Lord, sometimes you're, you're borderline frustrating. It's like we think we got you, and then you just go, bam, right here. We've talked about this all week. Like sometimes I feel like I'm just getting you. And then you just boom. But it's so cool to see when you go boom and you shift gears on me. And it's weird because I think, I think people would ask Jesus if he was here, if he was down here, they would ask him to get into some of the debates and to get, get into some of the protesting and, and, and ask him if he would... If he would choose this side or that, and, and I don't know what he would do. I, I know he's for equality and freedom. I know that because it's written in the New Testament that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, but all are free, at least here in the church. If we never get it on a national level, it's the law here. It's the law here. We'll fight for that. But I was thinking about this because these Jews come up to Jesus in verse 34, and you got to remember the Jewish people are the most oppressed people in the history of people, guys. They have been beat down and battered and beat down and battered and, and just the terrible atrocities that have happened to them. And, and Rome is over them in this particular part of their narrative. It's one of five different nations that have ruled over them. And all of a sudden, these, these Jews come up to him. And uh, they come up to him and throw up, there it is. They, they come up to him and they say, 
They start having this debate about freedom. And they start having this debate about Rome being over them as a nation. And Jesus cares about that. He cares about national things because he says, I'm going to come and free your nation. But Jesus being Jesus goes like this. You know what you need to be concerned with? The freedom of your soul. Because you could get national freedom, you Jews. But if you are enslaved to your soul, it will be the worst slavery ever. And it's so weird because you're like, it takes so much just to try to fight for national freedom. And then he's throwing this curveball at us. And so they're like, shouldn't we be free as a nation? And it's not like he's shucking this. It's not like he doesn't care. But he goes, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is, is the true slave. And it's weird. I could just see Jesus as a, at a debate. And it's not that he doesn't care about equality in America. He does. He's, he's fighting through his church. He's awakening his church to fight for it. But I can just see us all getting down and being like, Rabbi, Jesus, just tell us, like, shouldn't we be fighting right now? And he's like, yeah. But you should be worried more about your soul. You have different chains that you refuse to look at. And that's how Jesus talks. And we're like, I know, Lord, but the world's on fire. We need national freedom. He's like, no, 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 I know. We're dealing with it. But what about your shackles on your soul? If I gave you freedom, but you were bound by anxiety for the rest of your life, if I gave you freedom, but you were bound to hate for the rest of your life, bitterness and anger and unforgiveness, and I just want to say, but Jesus, can we just do it on the national level first? And he's like, no, the soul. Let's talk about the soul. And it's rather exciting because um, I think the chains that I felt this week were the chains on my soul. And I was, in, I was, in, I had this vision from the Lord of who I could be without certain chains. And I've, I've given my chains a name. They've got certain names to them. And I was visualizing John Maurice just going through a week being free of these things, man. And it was, it was so exciting. So while we're fighting on a national level, we've also got to fight for our souls. And what's so crazy is in America, I believe we are making strides for national freedoms, but we are creating new shackles on the soul. And it's actually in the name of personal freedoms, guys. Don't lose me. If you got kids, lean in. We've got to teach our kids this stuff. Let me tell you what I mean. Especially from the West Coast, personal freedom has undergone a significant shift in meaning. And you've got to start picking it up. Because it is veiled right now. I told you guys three weeks ago, the narrative that God revealed to us was racial equality through the death and murder of a black man. He was revealing and taking scales off of the eyes of people to fight for equality. But what came with that open door was a thousand new freedoms and fights for freedoms, some of which are actually bondage. Amen, brother? Marcus, amen? We're going for sushi after this, my friends, you and I. Whoever amens, we're hitting this thing up afterwards, all right? I got I to gotta know someone's for me. We've got this thing. Write this down. And this is an old term, uh, at least on the West Coast, because it, it is maybe the 
the only moral absolute we have. Expressive individualism. And I'm all, I'm all for you expressing yourself. You know that. Um, I'm all for you being free to be you and not being a carbon copy. I'm all for that. But we have this sneaky freedom that's crept in. And it sounds spiritually sexy. It sounds like liberation. And there's always truth, a partial truth in every lie. And so while it sounds like freedom, there's a chain on it. And it really means that we should be able to determine for ourselves what happiness is and pursue the happiness without constraint. And you may actually read that and say, John, you're losing your mind. That's awesome sounding. I just tweeted that. But we got to slow down. We got to slow down just a little bit. And if you grew up in church, you may not like where I'm going right now because you may go, well, that's why I left the church. That's why I came to Frontline because the church felt like bondage and I didn't go from the bondage of alcohol to the bondage of religion. But see, that's what's weird is we're going from one extreme to the other. We hear things right now, especially, and I want you as a, as a follower of Jesus to cue on them. We hear things like everyone should be free to live as they desire as long as they don't harm anyone else. We are losing community. You cannot live as you desire and not hurt other people. A community has to have some moral governing rules to it. Like if I was just like, Lucas, what's right to you is you. And you know where I'm going with Frozen in a minute. What's right to you is right to you. As long as it doesn't hurt me. And what's right to me, Lucas, is right to me. As long as it doesn't hurt you. That is so self-centered, we're going to collide. Because what's right to me is to slap you, bro. No, I'm kidding. No, but think about that. Maybe to me, and I'll just use a socially tense subject. To me, abortion is right. And to you, you say abortion is wrong. So naturally, we're going to hurt each other. There's got to be some moral absolutes that govern this world. We cannot all just do what we want and be a society, guys. Everyone should be free to live as they desire. I lived in that city. Everyone flocks to San Francisco because it's actually called the city of freedom. It's a big whacked village is what it is. And everyone's trying to move around and they are literally liberated to, to do their, their own thing. These are some of the saddest people I've seen on the face of the earth. So there's this fine line between being ruled and oppressed in your soul and yet trying to be free to the point that don't tell me anything's wrong. I'm going to do my thing because that doesn't work with other human beings. Try being married and do that. <laughs> Honey, I'm just going to go out of town this weekend. Oh, cool. Where are we going? No, I'm going. <laughs> no, I'm going out of town. I just need some of that me John time. Okay, we cool with that? And she goes like this. Because that, that's what I need. That's, I need to, that's me. And she goes, well, we, we, not me, we. I need you right now. That's what I need. You can't function with one human being living a life that in the name of freedom says I will do what I want. Um, this is marriage counseling today. If you're single, get it now. You'll save us some time. Amen. 
And uh, if you got kids, how many of you guys got kids? Or grandkids? All right. Kids are awesome. Um, how many of you guys used to like the movie Frozen, but now you hate it because you've seen it five million times? Yeah, all right. Yeah? We won't stay in front of the kids, but I got you. It was cute like the first 300 times. And if you think about the cultural narrative shift even in cartoons, and here I am preaching against Frozen. This is a terrible day. I'm, I'm, people are going to walk out on me right now. But, but think, about, think about the famous song in Frozen. What's it called? You guys, see, we got it. There's, we got this thing. We got kids. But I, and I've said this before. Here's how the song goes. It's time to see what I can do. Okay, I'm cool with that. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. All right, let's go. Who sings that? Elsa? Is that Elsa? She needs to go to front line. No right, no wrong. Come on, girl. No right, no wrong. No rules for me. I'm free. Can't be. We just added a line, Dondria. No right, no wrong. If our children are singing that and singing that and singing that and singing that and singing that, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. I can't believe I'm attacking Frozen. Facebook, I'm attacking Frozen right now. Marcus, can you edit this or is this live? No right, no wrong, no rules for me. We're, our children are growing up in this narrative that we should be able to be so free we have no restraints. But that's like going on the, the auto bomb without a shoulder. And this is our story in John 8 today. The quest for true freedom. How does a human become truly free? I'm going to give you two points. You guys okay? I feel like I'm being hard on you. Are we good? You guys still feel free? I got young adults. Are you guys good? You're the test. All right, you guys are good. Okay, let's go. And this really is a Gen Y thing. Um, Gen Z's below you guys. I don't even know what to do with that generation. Are you guys Gen Z or Gen Y? Y'all, you're pups, man. Gen Z. This is really your sermon because this is the baseline narrative that you grew up in is this essence of freedom. And we're, you're post 9-11, so you don't trust authority. A significant shift happened after post 9-11. That was not just a moment that we passed through. The world changed. Authority shifted. Uh, the church went into a major, major suspects-oriented culture. And so we've had these sequences that you guys have been born into, and the baseline, baseline narrative, in, at least in your world, is this thing of freedom, but I think it's creeping in all of us, especially with the fears of the pushback going on in America right now. So let's fight for national freedom. Let's, let's fight for racial freedom, but let's be careful as followers of Jesus, realizing, guys, we've got to have some restraints. Let me give you two points. Number one, write this down. Jesus rocked me this week. That's not my point, but you can write that down. Uh, Facebook, someone write this on Facebook. Check it out. By the way, Facebook needs restraints. Yeah. Write that down. Let me just say it. I, we're just talking as family today. Let me just talk. I feel like I'm dad, but let me just talk. I got the mic. Let me, let me say something with social media. We'll get to that point one day. Let me say something with social media. Do you know that social media came on as pretty much a, a program for dating on college campuses and getting to know people? We know that, right, Sam? You know this, right? 
Now, what happened is Facebook took off so quickly, we failed to put any type of governing agent over Facebook. Now it's so far out of control, we don't know what to do with it, especially with freedom of speech. We've given everybody a platform of authority, most of which are not qualified to have that authority. I'm just saying stuff on 4th of July weekend right now. Am I venting? We're good? All right, we're good. Little man, we good? He gave me a thumbs up. He's the little guy behind you. He gave me a thumbs up. So let me just say a couple quick things here. And I, I, wanna, I want the Holy Spirit to set you free. Let me give you two points today. Jesus tells us that no one is really free. And when I started studying the words of Jesus, it really messed me up when I, when I, when I came to that conclusion. Jesus tells us that no one is really free. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? I'm an American. I'm an American and I'm a West Coaster. The East Coasters are bound by tradition. They started first. We're the free people on the left coast. Jesus tells us that nobody is really free. And I'm like, Jesus, you better work this out because with these Western lenses, that doesn't fly. I'm preaching to a lot of young adults up in this place. So look at verse 31. Let's go through it. Here's the narrative. And uh, I'm going to read verses 31 to 33 and just unpack them. And here's where Jesus is at. He's got a short time to live. I wonder sometimes what I would say if I had a couple weeks to live. I wonder what I would say to you, precious people, if I had a couple weeks to live. I would say that which is most important. I would say that even if it, even it kind of rattled you a little bit. I would say that which is most important. And he's got, a, he's, got a, he's, got, he's got a short time to live. And what he's doing is he's going up into the temple in the old part of the city. How many of you guys have been to Jerusalem? It's so cool living here. I have not. Next time, you should probably pray about bringing me. <laughs> I'll pray over your food or something. I just want to go so bad. I want to go to Jerusalem. Um, but if you think about the old city, he would actually go up there in the mornings. He would go up into the old city, and he would go into the courtyard, and he would, have a, he would have groups like this around him, and he would teach them the ways of God. Now, there were two teachings about God going on. There was religion being taught by the religious leaders, and then there was the lion who was roaring about God. And that's why they killed him. Because the people were starting, starting to go like this. Tell me if this doesn't apply today. I think my synagogue taught me wrong. I think my church may have got some stuff wrong. And Jesus doesn't seem to really fit in the church real well. And he doesn't really seem to fit in the secular world real well. He seems to be bringing this new kingdom thing in. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's coming and he's, he's sitting down. He's taking the posture of a rabbi. And he begins to unpack these things. And he starts talking about freedom. He says this in verse 31. This could be the freest weekend of your life if you'll hear Jesus right here. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. Now they believed in him, but they weren't quite saved. They weren't saved yet. They believed that he could be someone, but they weren't quite saved yet. They hadn't truly repented, let go of their old lifestyle, and sought Christ as Savior. They were suspicious. They were inquiring. He says, if you abide, you ought to underline that in your Bible. It's the Greek word, meno. It means if you stay in my word. If following scripture, while you mess it up, is a deep new love, something may have happened in your soul. You say, how do I know I'm saved? Jesus says, if you love my word. I didn't say you keep it all the time. 
But if you love it, if you're mining for it, I didn't say Monday hits and you don't read it. I just said, if you know life's found there, if you hunger to hear my words, it's good proof that the spirit has invaded you. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. That's a good sign you're saved. Verse 32, and you will know the truth. You could know truth. You could know concrete directions on how to get through this crazy life. And that's what truth is. It's a roadmap. It's God's world. It's God's way about sex and money and friendship and race and life and growing old and being young and being single. It's got the answers in it. It's, it's truth. And I'm sorry if, if I know people come here and they say, I've never heard anybody teach the truth like this. I'm sorry if you didn't hear the truth in a liberating fashion and that's why you flinched. Take a journey with us. We're trying to teach the truth. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Wait a minute, Jesus. Did you just say that if we follow the rule of the Bible, it will set us free? So if I put something over me, if I submit to something, it will actually liberate me? That's a contradiction. That's an upside down truth. That's the kingdom. His ways are not our ways. If you bind yourself by my ways, you will free your soul. If you do marriage my way, and bind yourself, I will set your marriage free. If you do this thought life thing my way and bind yourself to the way to think, I will set your mind free. If as a teenager, you bind yourself with my way when it comes to identity, I will set you free. And it's like, oh dang. Verse 33, they answer them, don't talk to us about freedom, young man. We are the offspring of Abraham. They can't say we're free people because Rome is over them. So they go, we're the right race. We're the free race. We have never been enslaved to anyone. I know Rome is over us, but we're free in our hearts. How is it that you say you will become free? We don't need your ways. We're free. We're Jews. Rome may be over us, but we make our own choices we're free. And then in verse 34, he says this really cool statement. Jesus answered them, and he's so, he's so chill. He's so tame. He just looks at them, eyes like fire. He looks at them, and he says, truly, truly. Anytime he says truly twice, you better listen. Lean in, lean in. Check yourself, check yourself. Hear me, hear me. I say to you, there's authority in that. I don't care what you say as religious leaders. I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. You can be a certain race. You can be in a certain country that has national liberties. You can be in a certain race and you feel liberated because of your skin. But is your soul free? All of those things are important. National things are important. Racial things are critical. But don't forget about your soul. And, and what he's saying, and it's so crazy, is either he is over you 
and you are free in his ways or something else is over you, but nobody is free. Nobody is truly free. Wrestle with that. I know that's a weird statement. Let me break, down, break it down a little bit, and you're going to have to think about this or talk about it in your Zoom small groups or as couples. Let's test it. How many of you guys would argue, don't raise your hand, you'll make me feel insecure. How many of you guys would argue, I don't agree with that, I think there are some people who are free. Don't raise your hand. It'd be really weird. Let's test it. Is, is there true freedom in any person? Think about this. If you base most of your decisions around work and career, most of your time is spent working. And I'm not banging on anybody who works hard. But if you find yourself deliberately basing most of your decision towards work, promotion, career, fear of failure may be controlling you. If you base most of your decisions on how people see you, anybody do that? All of us walk through a mirror with a, with a, a window with a reflection, you know, and you're like, some of you guys don't care. I love it. But if you base most of your decisions on how people see you, acceptance might be controlling you. If you base most of your decisions on unhealthy relationships, I'm not beating up on us. I'm trying to set us free. Loneliness may be controlling you. If you base most of your decisions on yourself, you say, I don't do any of that, I'm free. If you base most of your decisions on yourself, pride and ego might be controlling you. So when you look at it that way, none of us are really free. All of us are being ruled by something. And if you want to track what that something is, what do we base most of our decisions around? I asked myself that question and I found two areas that are shackling me right now in my soul. And the reason we do this, the reason we allow these things to chain us is because they act like saviors. They're saviors. These are things that we think will give life ultimate meaning if we get them. And so we give our lives to them. We let them control us and they are cruel gods. They are cruel gods. You good on Facebook? Did I just lose half a year or did we just double it? Someone post, give thumbs up, weird emojis, do something right there. These things are cruel masters. So I wrote this down to myself because I'm, been, I'm breaking free this week on Independence Day weekend in the States. Life is not an issue of who am I, but whose am I? Who do I belong to? Because I belong to someone. I put myself under something. And this is coming from a West Coast kid raised in Seattle, banging and doing my thing and going after it in San Francisco. If anybody knows about freedom, it's me. It's not who am I, it's whose am I. We belong to somebody. I think Bob Dylan said that. No idea. Google it. You have to serve someone. Tim Keller's got a great book on this. I forgot the title. You'll have to Google it. But you have to serve someone. You have to. So if you're here, if you're sitting in this room right now, or you're watching on Facebook and you're not a Christian, I just want you to wrestle with this. This is probably new, and you may even disagree with me, but you've got to serve someone. 
You got to serve someone. I walked into a church. Let me tell a quick testimony. We got six minutes. Not like anything's going on in the world right now. Like, take my time. Is it cool? Lachey said it. I'm down. But think about this. So, I, 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 was, I was raised inner city Seattle, single parent home, on welfare. I told you guys last week, we invented stealing shopping carts from grocery stores to take them home because we didn't have a car. And uh, grew up on welfare. My mom, uh, she, I tell you, she's one of my heroes, but she's gone through hell and back 14 times. And uh, she is a model for you women to fight and fight and fight. But my mom uh, grew up super poor. I watched that lady just collapse in exhaustion year after year, a broken woman. My brothers were running the streets. They taught me how to steal cars, and that's how I grew up, fist fighting like crazy. Um, wasn't allowed in the gangs in the inner city where I was from because I was a white kid, so I just ran around with them and uh, got into a lot of trouble. My way was the way of the fist. That sounded very Bruce Lee, the way of the fist. <laughs> that was so dumb. But then I realized one day, I started playing football at eight, playing baseball when I was eight. I realized I was really good at sports. And I had a future in sports. And it became my God. I bowed to it. I did everything under the umbrella of an, in the mastery of sports. And then I started having people when I was up in high school and playing semi-pro ball, they started looking at me. And I thought, man, if I could just, if I could just win this God it's called sports then I could get my mom out of poverty. And that was my jam. That was my life. And so I bowed down. Everything was sports. Everything was sports. And then when I failed my master, when I had a bad game, and, it, and sports is a cruel savior because it demands performance. And I didn't know Jesus yet on this side. He's an amazing savior because he does not demand performance. He just gives love and acceptance and blessing but I had this other savior over here, baseball and sports, and it was like, it demanded sacrifice weekly. And if I didn't give a great enough sacrifice, it cursed me. And it, it just got so heavy. And that's why I drank, because I was failing my savior. And so I would fist fight to get the aggression out. And then I would get busted by the cops. And then I, I wasn't playing ball because I was resting in a little holding cell and all this craziness. And that's, that's what Jesus is saying. John, everybody's under something. Everybody's under something. The key to life is just find the right master. Yeah. Yeah. Sushi for all of you who just clapped. But I love this about Jesus, and it was hard on my American mind because I grew up a tough kid. My brothers were 82nd Airborne, and, and we just fought, and we were nobody messed with us and all this stuff. So it was hard for a West Coaster and a, an American to say, I don't want to give up my freedoms and come under Christ. It was very hard on my brain. I had to realize, you're coming under Christ, but it's like a father. And not like your dad, John. He wasn't there. Your dad, your father in heaven's going to be there. And he's, he's going to cover you and, and he's going to give you protection and new freedoms when you do it his way. He's going to take that girl you keep drinking with right here on the front row. Not now. We're good now. But uh, he's going to take that girl because you about destroyed it. You almost lost it. You did it your way. You did it under the mastery of sports and alcohol. You did it your way and she almost walked. 
But now you've come under the mastery of Jesus and you're flinching a little bit because it doesn't feel right. But all of a sudden you said, okay, Lord, you say to do relationships this way. It's going to take me some time. But you started walking in my ways, John, and look at it now. Look at it now. I so wish you'd get excited. We need the other 1,200 people up front line, I know. But you go ahead and just get excited anyway. But I love this about Jesus. And he says in verse 35, it's a very special verse. Where are we at, Chad? I'm just having fun today. Verse 35. Let's go back to 35. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And I'm like, what does that even mean? What's that have to do with Jesus and me and like feeling free in my soul? Well, it's amazing. That verse is actually very amazing. The slave does not remain in the house forever. Back then they had slaves. It was a major part of the economy in Rome. If you would have taken slavery away, they say that Rome would have buckled. That many slaves were in Rome. And so he uses a slave in a household as an example. He goes like this. You're a slave to that thing in that house. You think it's setting you free, but it's like slavery. But if you'll come to God for salvation and you'll become a son, the rules of the house from dad are not binding at all. They're awesomely liberating. That's what he just said. They're fantastically free. No dad come under his rules in the house and you'll remain free forever. Because his ways don't bind. They're light. They heal. They heal, they heal minds and singleness and anxiety and marriages and teen stuff. Yeah, they wrap you up. But they wrap you up in love. That thing that you bow down to now may just cast you out today or tomorrow. That's what that verse says. You're just a hired hand under the mastery of that thing, career or whatever it is. And tomorrow, it could say, not enough. You're out, but not the Father. You put yourself under his ways, and he'll take you to the top. John 8, 31. Let's go back and read those verses again real quick. Now you understand what he means. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you would just stay in my ways and follow me, verse 32, if you would just know my truth, my truth will set your mind, your marriage, your high school years, your raising of kids, it will set you into true freedom. The truth will set you free. And I believe that is actually on a national level what Martin Luther King Jr. was trying to say to us on a national level. To live by my words will fence you in. It will. You won't be able to take this body and do what you want. It will fence you in. You cannot just take substance and do what you want by putting it in your body. You cannot just use these words and say what you want. It will fence you in. But within the fence, there's all this peaceful, safe time and, and room to roam. I had a Weimarweiner. That was my best German. You guys know what a Weimarweiner is? You know, Caroline, you got a, a Weimarweiner. He's on the dark side. What's his name? 
Kylo for Kylo Ren. Yeah, we're working on a relationship, Kylo and I. Um, I always tease because I say he's on the dark side and I'm a Jedi. That's why he doesn't like me. I just don't think he likes me. But we're working on it. But a Weimaraner is a German dog, a beautiful German dog. And, but they're insane. Amen? They're insane. I had a 100-pound Weimaraner. They're supposed to stop growing at 65 pounds. In uh, California, a church bought this dog for me. Looking back now, Dondria, I think it's because they didn't like me. Yeah, I think it was, they were like cursing me. So they got this dog. We called him Jackson. He was like our son, but he was like a dysfunctional son. He really was. As a matter of fact, he had a heart attack at six. I say today he killed himself. He was so crazy. He gave himself a heart attack. So he was nuts. You remember that on. I still got holes in my socks from this dumb dog, but uh, that's either a sign of that I got a bad dog or I need some new socks. I get it. But we put this, we got, finally went to a house where we had this fence because Jackson was so free. See what I do with my left hand? He was so free that he, that he would like to go out my front door when we didn't have a fence and he would just go, you were like, We would not put a collar on him because we didn't want to be accountable for him. So he'd just be like, Thuff. and you're like, cool, he's, he's gone. Yes. And that dork would find his way back or someone would bring him back. And so we moved into a house and we had a fence around him. And by the way, Jackson would come back every time and he would have that stupid dog look on his face. His ears would be back and he'd be like, man, the things I saw out there. Man, I saw some things. Owner, owner, it's crazy out there. Don't ever let me come out there again. And I've told you guys before in a sermon, that's what happens to us. We go out there and we're like, we're free with, with sexual ethics or identity or, or money or marriage. Let's go. We're free. We're American, you know, and all this stuff. And I'm not trying to make light of freedom, but we go outside the fence of God. And then we come back like, oh, dang, it's crazy out there. I need counseling right now. I need marriage counseling. My head's screwed up. It's like, yeah. But what if we could have a, a boundary? It's huge with God, by the way. This is an adventurous life. It's huge. What if we could have a boundary called his word that we're learning together? And we could go like this. Man, look at all this room to room. But I know that I never have to go past that. So I'm just never really going to get hurt bad. I may run into the fence like a dork every now and then, trying to push the limits, but we'll work it out as a church. Think about that life. Wouldn't that be cool? Let me say a couple last things, and then I, I want to sing to this. Has, has the Holy Spirit put anything on your heart? I just, what if today in prayer we could just say, man, I've held on to that thing. I can feel it mastering me. What does God say about that place? That place in my life? Man, what if we could let it go today? That's all I'm trying to say. God's word is not binding because it's all about love. It's all about love. It's all about his care. When he says thou shalt not or don't do that, he's not like John because I'm a cosmic killjoy. It's like because I, I kind of invented you. And I know how this thing works. 
And if you'll look at that, if you'll touch that, if you'll say that, if you'll move towards that person, it's just not my way. And I love God and I love his grace because I learned this slow, amen? But he tells me how to see myself. He tells me how not to fear. He tells me how not to need everyone's acceptance. He tells me that I don't need to try and impress everybody else because here's who I am. I don't need to be in an unhealthy relationship to feel loved. My success is not who I am. We don't have to have these things rule us. What Jesus tells me rules me and yet sets me free. Can we just as friends today, can we just bow our heads and spend some time with the Lord? And I don't know how he's spoken to you. And let me just, first of all, just with your heads bowed, just in a posture of worship, just relax. I am not by any means making light of our nation's freedom. I'm not diminishing the pain, the legal pains in our country. I just want to see a soul set free today. I know the Holy Spirit has spoken to me greatly this week about this. You know, guys, just things like the fear of man, I feel like it's just been ruling. It's been weird. We start making decisions toward that God. Maybe for you, it's something different. Maybe this craziness in the States has has brought anger a little too close. Money, self, I don't know. But I know they're cruel masters. And would you just in prayer right now, just talk to your father. And it could be really cool if he just said, Father, what do you say about this? Just bring me back there. What do you say about this? Bring me back inside your word. That's a sweet feeling in this room. I want to think that I can hear chains falling. Just right in this room. Let's just carry this out of this building, this spirit. And let's fight for freedom. God's way.
let's abide in his word. Father, I'm praying that chains fall off this morning. I'm praying that you would reveal with love where we have taken it upon ourselves to put ourselves under the cruel mastery of something in this world and that we let it go right now. And Father, that you set us free, you break these chains. We are slaves no longer. We are sons. We are daughters. Let your words, Father's speech, rule our ways. Father, we're going to sing to you now. We're going to sing and lift up praise of freedom. And I, I pray we would exalt. I pray that we would lift up, that we would sing out and feel it. With every breath we take and every word we sing out, Lord, I pray it would be another ring in the shackle snapping. We are not slaves. We are children of God. We trust your words. And so we declare it now this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If this was your first time joining us online, please head over to the contact us portion of our website and say hi. We would love to meet you. If you'd like someone from our church to pray for you, please shoot us an email at prayer at frontlinecommunity.org. If you feel led to contribute financially to this ministry, please visit frontlinecommunity.org forward slash give or email giving at frontlinecommunity.org. Please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on and rate our podcast. We hope that you were blessed today and we'll see you next week.